I used to be Not when you brush every day with A special plastic Episode 5 of HPTV. I'm James Michael, and I'm joined with Brendan for another episode. Hey, Brendan. Hello. How you doing? I don't know who the killer is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who the killer is. I was supposed to know who the killer is, and I don't. Uh, well, maybe, maybe through the, the conversation, you will maybe put some pieces together. I, I, th- I think I think they they do a good job in this episode of not really giving any forward movement into the mystery of her death rather than they're kind of, you know, we get the one scene with Albert, but really they're focusing on the burial of Laura. Yeah, and we, we definitely get like the, the funeral from hell in this episode. No, I, can't, I can't wait to talk about that. I was very surprised. But again, like Lynch does this thing where it's very heavy, balanced by very silly so yeah funeral from hell for sure so what have you been up to since last week uh well so i've uh I've mainly just been playing deep rock galactic in my free time but uh, a little funny story about after we recorded last um i had to very quickly get around for work and within 30 seconds of ending this call, I like, shut my computer and I started to rush around, you know, get my laptop charger, my headphones, all this stuff. And I, <laughs> I kicked the corner of a wall with my pinky toe and I guess what would be considered my ring finger toe. I, I don't know if there's a word for that toe. The one right next to the pinky toe. And <laughs> currently they are both the size of of medium-sized cherry tomatoes and the entire right side of my foot is black and blue that sounds terrible did you scream uh no but i had i i hadn't eaten at all that day i was gonna eat at the beginning of work and uh it caused so much pain that everything went white and i just fell to the ground uh how yeah and so i was i i was indeed late to work uh, but it was my own fault. I shouldn't have been rushing. Uh, you should have seen what I was wearing. Um, <laughs> that was a dumb joke. Uh, but no, it was incredibly painful and I cannot do my pre-recording ritual. No more pre-recording ritual. That means these episodes are going to suck now. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did but, cut it very close last week though. So we did, but it's okay. It's okay. But that, that's all I got. That's all I got. What about you? Anything anything new, fun? Uh, I haven't really been doing anything but Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks and very light gaming here and there. Twin Peaks, literally just Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks and Harpress. Uh, what was the uh what was the final outcome of that that poll you ran? Which poll? The Oh, the, the one. one. So, I did a little poll 
to see who thought who was a weeb. And it came out tied. Oh, wow. But clearly they know after the previous episode who the weeb is because we talked about it. And it surprised me. So I can't believe you don't like any anime. It's not that I don't like any. I Zom 100 was pretty good. Um, so you like horror type anime? I, I If I'm going to watch anime, it's going to be horror. There, there was one... Uh, that my friend showed me that I want to go back to, but I don't remember the name. Maybe you know it's about these, I think it's a bunch of kids, maybe girls in a boarding school, and they can't at night go past the property line or something because there's something evil in the woods that kills girls or something. Hmm, I'm not I sure. Know. I don't know if that rings a bell. The last horror-themed anime I watched, though, was High School of the Dead, and it was basically high school kids trying to survive the zombie ap- apocalypse. And it was that, pretty good. That, that sounds entertaining enough. Yeah. What was that one about? that was just about food? Food Wars? Yes, yes, I want to watch that. Yeah, it's pretty good. I think that's on Netflix. Oh, okay. There's a new one, too, that came out on Netflix where it's, like, something to do with dungeon crawling, but they're going into the dungeons to find food to cook. Hmm. I forget what it's called. Interesting. And uh, this is obviously everyone who's watched one anime knows this, but uh, the food in them always just looks so good. Yeah, so good. Like, oh my God. And I think that's probably why I want to watch Food Wars. There's this weird Japanese show that was on Netflix for a while. It was live action and it was literally just late night at this one like little tiny restaurant and people would come in. They'd prepare food, and they would just talk. And it was just very cozy. I like that. It's like late night radio, but at a restaurant, and it's just between the cook and the people that are coming. I really want to go to an, uh, I think it's called an omakase restaurant. For like sushi? Uh, Well, isn't that the ones where kind of like you're sitting at a bar, but instead of a bar behind you is, is the chef, and he prepares like... Or she prepares like 12 to 16 singular bites of like specific things that they're making. I think it's called omakase. I really want to do that. I know there's a really cool one in New York, but it's very hard to get into. And it's like in a hole in a wall. Shit, man. I've been trying to get in a coat for a year and a half. Okay. <laughs> that I, I know that I know it's a pipe dream, but the, I, I, I do, I do like, uh, well, no, that, that I'm sorry, that's not Japanese. That's Korean barbecue, I think. Never mind. There's a cool little sushi place. It's not that far from me, I don't think, in Fort Lee called Kura. It's not, like, fancy or anything, but it's a conveyor belt sushi place. Okay, I, I've wanted to try one of those. Yeah, there's one closer to me in Edison. Hmm. Uh, so, we are officially at the halfway point for season one. Doesn't that seem kind of crazy? It does, and... Still no answers to anything. Just more questions. No answers. I feel like all I know is, like, Dale Cooper's dietary habits. That's it. Yes. But that's fair. Do we get any kind of resolution by episode eight? Uh, or not really? I would say I th- some questions are sh- are starting to be answers, and as, as the season goes, you get you get specific context clues 
to certain answers. But yeah, so uh, you'll you'll get you'll get context clues that will help you to start for to start forming the answers. It's just that the answers are long, and depending on your en enjoyment of the show, the answers can seem convoluted. When I I think they're they're fairly straightforward once you get the full answer. It's just the lead up to giving you small bits of detail until we finally get to that big reveal. Okay, well, at least in this episode, we get to see Laura Palmer finally put into the ground. So I hope yes. that means, like, we the story is going to start moving forward. Unless something else terrible happens. But yeah, Twin Peaks Day was a couple of days ago. And Happy hopefully day. we have a winner by now. Hopefully. Because by the time this episode comes out, all the clues will be out into, like, the fucking dream space. And if you didn't figure it out, we're just going to randomly pick a, a winner. So I'm assuming I we have a winner by now. All. I believe in you all. And you know what? If you didn't win, don't worry about it because Horror Press does fucking contests every three seconds. Yeah. If I moved by, I don't know, whatever kind of drama that's in Twin Peaks and we come back for season two, we'll probably do another one for that. And I mean, this season's only eight episodes, so that'll be soon. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, Good but... luck. Hoot, hoot. <sighs> so many entries. Like, I was very shocked. People really want that box set. What, uh, do you know what the entry number's up to now? No. Or you, you don't have to say if you don't want. No. The last I checked, though, it has to be at least 900. It has to be at least 900. Um, so, a lot of really snarky people, too. There were at least... A handful of people that were like any Twin Peaks fan already has the box set. <laughs> like that's a lot of work to have something I already have, and I'm like, okay, then don't enter. Like, okay, okay. I was a Twin Peaks fan, and I bought the box set like three months ago. A lot of people have been sending us their like collections, and I'm surprised by the amount of people that have Twin Peaks on VHS. Well, I would say that's because the Twin Peaks VHS box set is fucking gorgeous. Oh my god, I want it. So one of my friends has it, and the few times I've hung out with them, I would just be like, can I see your Twin Peaks VHS tapes again? Can you take out your collection again? <laughs> how many like how many cassettes is it? Uh well, so it was it, it's before the return. So I would I think I it might be uh, two episodes per tape. That sounds about right because Titanic was like three hours and that was two VHS tapes. Yeah, yeah. And these are like 45 minutes a piece. Yeah. It will, and, and unlike the Titanic, this is good. Uh-oh, is that a James Cameron jab? I don't like James Cameron, so it's totally welcome. Oh, no, I, I just think it's a dumb movie. James Cameron and Christopher Nolan don't like either of them. The Abyss. I, I like The Abyss. I haven't seen it. Uh, it's good. The Abyss was coming. came out in theaters for some anniversary not long ago, and yeah, I really wanted was, to see it. Yeah, it was it, it, and it? they also did a, was it a 75 millimeter, or not 75, Jesus. Uh, they, uh, I think they ran it on 16 or 35 millimeter print or something because i know there was just a big restoration they did yeah i i really wanted to see it 
but I didn't. Same with The Thing. I've never seen The Thing until I got to see it in theaters maybe like a year or two ago during the anniversary. And that was like spectacular. That, that would be a so fun glad. way to see it. So glad I did not see it until then. And I was able to see it for the first time in theaters. Like mind-blowing. The practical effects in that were insane. How did they do that? A lot of hard work. So, yeah. Episode 4. Rest in Pain. So I'm going to read the plot from IMDb, and it goes like, Cooper meets with Audrey, who confesses to leaving him the note about one-eyed Jacks. Cooper tells Truman he can't remember who the killer was in his dream, but insists the dream is a code to solving the crime. So, I mean, me losing my mind over Audrey, there it is. There's the confirmation. Yes, yes, yeah. We, it's... It, it's weird how the description of the last episode reveals who it is. Because if you're watching this for the first time, episode by episode, and you're like, um, oh, I'm going to watch uh, episode three of Twin Peaks when I get home from work tonight. And you look up the IMDb description and you're like, ooh, what's going to happen? Uh, and then you see Audrey leaves a clue. And then you watch the episode and you're like, well, you know... Uh, there was something slipped under the door, so, okay, thanks for revealing to me who that was. Pretty early on, Gail kind of, like, throws it in our face who it was. Oh, yes, yeah. But let's let's do the, the log lady intro. You do it, because you do it really well. You do the voices very well. Well, I, I try. I, I have a lot of quiet time. Um, you just uh, practice in silence? Yes. Well, see, I, I, I don't like silence, which is pretty much why I'm playing podcasts 24-7, because uh, the silence is too loud. I'm kind of the same. I love talk radio, and I feel like talk radio is so hard to find mm-hmm. nowadays. In general, podcasts, I always have it playing in the car when I'm driving. Mm-hmm. I love talk radio, though. Oh, yeah. Um. So, uh, and I, I should mention, uh, this isn't the whole quote uh i kind of took the best parts from her intro um but sadness is in this world we're ignorant of beautiful things what is a tear will this sadness ever end one day the sadness will end and just like last week this this intro is kind of the perfect encapsulation of of this episode uh, would you agree? Absolutely. We see so many people in this episode have breakdowns over Laura Palmer's death. And there's one that I, I can't wait for us to talk about. And I, I you probably know who I'm, which breakdown I'm referring to. Um, but it's it's so raw. And when it finally happens, it just happens. Um, but we don't start at the funeral. We don't start at the funeral. No, we don't. We actually start at the hotel. So in the opening scene, we see Audrey and she's spying on Dale Cooper. And we kind of find out that it's the day of Laura's funeral. And okay, so side note, side note. note. I watch everything with subtitles. Mm -hmm. And I know everyone's going to laugh at me. But I'm always surprised at the fact that Colonel is spelt colonel. Oh, yeah. And it... (laughs) I could swear, like, back in the day, there were a couple KFC commercials where, where they would say Colonel Sanders. I swear I remember that. I wonder if that has something to do with 
because like obviously once once we had colonized the states uh english became the primary language but i wonder if there were like different sects sects of or, or obviously you know there's different variations of the english language but i wonder if that was just one thing where it was pronounced like that or it was ah, fuck man i don't know how do you even get colonel from colonel colonel yeah maybe okay that, that, that's, that's what i was trying to see that's what i was trying to say maybe like a northerner heard a southerner be like oh that that's colonel lee and they tried to write down okay so there's colonel lee <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know <laughs> yeah i i just know in ninth grade i was corrected by my english teacher and she was like it's colonel not colonel <laughs> But whatever. Okay. So, so so this word you're spelling backwards, you're also spelling backwards incorrectly. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I would have said Lenalock. <laughs> Just to drive them crazy. Uh, so Audrey says, good morning, Colonel C- Cooper. And Dale corrects her and says, Just agent, special agent. He invites her to breakfast and Audrey says she's in a hurry. Dale compliments her perfume and asks her to have a seat. So at this point, like, we know because he, he took a big whiff of that note that was left under the, his mm-hmm. door. And I'm guessing he's putting two, two and two together. And then he sits her down and he asks her to write her name and compares the handwriting to the note. I don't know how she didn't know that he was already, like, putting this all together. He confronts her about the note and her reasoning is she wants to help him. Mm-hmm. And if, if she wants to help him, why not just flat out say it to him, though? Yeah. So Dale asks what One-Eyed Jack is, and Audrey says, it's a place up north. Men go there. And he follows up with, do women go there? And Audrey says, women work there. I don't think he really understood what she was implying until she followed up with, women work there. Yeah, because Cooper's, and maybe I'm very off base with this, but Coop is kind of the guy where he takes things at face value until facts kind of point him in different directions and a lot of the times his facts are based off his intuition his dreams his uh when he notices you know particulars of of someone's character uh I, i kind of like how we can see him deducing in his own mind what she's trying to say but either too afraid or because she knows that her father is is part of this in some way and uh i feel like she's still in a way trying to uh in her mind protect the image of her father even though he's a piece of shit to her and she to him there's definitely this weird childlike childlike innocence or wonder behind dale cooper Mm -hmm. he's very methodical and very like science based but also intuitive which is very paradoxical almost but there is an innocence to him. And I don't think he registered, like, the sex worker angle until she specified women work there. Can can you see, uh, can you kind of see what I was saying now when we talked about the pilot episode where I was kind of saying, as compared to the Cooper that we get in the later episodes, the Cooper in episode one is kind of a dick. I, he's kind of Alberti. In episode one, to yes. a very like 
tempered down degree. Yes, yes. But I can see, I can see how he could work with an Albert, and that's just mm-hmm. how they are. Um, I can't wait to talk about that either. <laughs> <laughs> so then Dale follows up with, "Wait, I'm sorry. Do you think Dale Cooper's a virgin?" No, no. All right, that's all. That's all we're gonna get into. Dale asks, "Did Laura work there?" And Audrey says, "I don't know." Laura worked at my father's department store in the perfume counter. And then Dale asserts, so did Ronette Pulaski. So I mean, it's Bert- pretty damning. Oh, yeah. And uh, was it last episode or the episode before where you had asked uh, something relating to the perfume counter about why it keeps popping up? And I I think that that's kind of... Uh, I, I love how there's, how there's these little drops of of more questions but you know we know that ronette laura and this new girl at one-eyed jacks they have all mentioned the perfume counter so he's you know he's telling us what we need to know but still making us question if it's relevant to the story and kind of making the audience also sift out what details matter and what details don't also we need to know who is currently running that fucking perfume counter? Like, right, are they next? Right. Are they in danger? Who, and also, if I need to buy, like, CK1 or Curve, <laughs> who do I go to if all the girls are getting murdered? <laughs> do they still make Curve? Do you remember that? No, I I was just... I was laughing at the fact that you just off the dome named either two colognes or perfumes. I don't think I could. The <laughs> Car Noir is all I got. Oh man, that's an oldie. Ooh, Axe Chocolate. There we go. There's two. God, my I went to an all boy high school and everyone stunk like Axe. Axe and BO. Yeah. Cause all Axe did was just add another scent. It didn't eliminate the body odor. It just added a worse scent to it. Yeah. Uh so then we see the sheriff and Lucy and they are walking to the hotel restaurant. And he basically tells Audrey to take a hike. Mm-hmm. The waitress, who has a spectacular hairdo, I don't know if you noticed this, her head is massive, like Mars Attack levels of, like, Martian skull. That hair is teased to high hell. (laughs) So much hairspray. This woman, I was just shocked. Her name is Trudy. Um, And then right away, we we start getting the food. Uh, Dale Cooper orders two more coffees. He kind of mentions, oh, it's an be- absolutely beautiful morning. And then we get his order. Very particular. Short stack of griddle cakes, melted butter, maple syrup, lightly heated, and a slice of ham. And a slice of ham. Nothing beats the taste sensation when the maple collides with the ham. The taste sensation of maple colliding with ham. I mean, I agree. Actually, you know what? This guy's a fucking virgin. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a part of me is like... I'm watching this, and I feel like if Audrey were to get her claws into him, Dale wouldn't know what to do. Oh, no. no I think I... He, he's read about it in books, and he would probably follow instructions very precisely, but he'd be like, I don't, okay, I don't know. Okay, I will now be removing the... My clothing. I will, I will now be taking off the strap of your bra. Okay, <laughs> I will be off. unclipping my sock suspenders. <laughs> my sock suspenders. <laughs> Uh, Diane, do I leave the sock suspenders on during sex? (laughs) 
poor Diane. I can only imagine all the things he says to her all day. So then after he spouts off that order, Sheriff kind of interrupts him and says, who killed Laura Palmer? Harry, let me tell you about a dream I had last night. <laughs> Tibet? <laughs> oh, um, my dream is a code waiting to be broken. Break the code, solve the crime. And then you see, like, Lucy, and she's, she's scribbling notes. Oh, sweet Lucy. Uh, she's just trying to keep up. Definitely. I don't think she knows what's going on at all. <laughs> and I think that's why she takes copious notes. Because, <laughs> oh, oh, wait, oh, that's kind of sweet. Because that's her version of Diane. That's true, her little notebook. Do we ever get to see where Lucy lives? Uh, possibly in the return. Hmm. Okay. In my dreams, Sarah Palmer has a vision of her daughter's killer. Deputy Hawk sketched his picture. I got a phone call from a one-armed man named Mike. The killer's name was Bob. So that, the next part isn't like an exact quote, just because typing at the speed of light and rewinding a million times? Yes. Yeah, no, I get it. So I, I paraphrased. It. But there was a little line in there that I did like when he gets into what are dreams, like the actual scientific explanation. Okay, I'll try it. <clears throat> Acetylcholine neurons fire high-voltage impulses into the forebrain. These impulses become pictures. These pictures become dreams. But no one knows why we choose the particular pictures. So what was the end of this dream? Are we reading like a play? <laughs> We're just doing a, a fucking Orson Welles reading of Twin Peaks. Um, suddenly, it was 25 years later. I was old, sitting in a red room. There was a... Oh, I'm glad you changed it to dwarf, because that's not what he says. Um, and uses the M word. Because we're, we're not allowed to say that word, right? I think I may have said it in the previous episode. But then in this episode, I was like, mm, that's gross. Let's um, update it. <laughs> uh, there was a dwarf in a red room and a beautiful woman. The little man told me my favorite, told me my favorite gum was coming back in style. R.I.P. Tiger Stripes. And asked if his cousin looked like Laura Palmer. She's filled with secrets. Sometimes her arms bend back. Where she's from, the birds sing a pretty song, and there's always music in the air. The dwarf did a dance. Laura kissed me and whispered the name of the killer into my ear. So who did it? I don't remember. <clears throat> yeah. Like, thank you, Dale. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> Harry, your job is simple. Break the code. Solve the crime. This was like a cool little intro to the start of the episode. Oh, it, it's great. It's, it's, I, I love when, when Coop just gets to be unhinged. I, I, we haven't really taken the time to specify this, but all of the actors in this show, they, they take this, this dreamy, uh, secluded from the rest of the world type characters. And everyone does such a good job acting in this show everyone is so different and unique there is no one character that is the same it's it's so beyond impressive uh david lynch's directing style with this i i don't know how you feel about the acting but i i think it's top notch all i know is that tiktok would obliterate twin peaks for sure oh, you think so absolutely there's no way they could survive that high school if they were to get a hold of TikTok, it would be game over. Game over. Like, they oh, would oh, not survive I, the Tide Pod uh, Challenge. None of them. 
So you see, Bobby, I know you got a lot of feelings in your mind, but whatever you do, don't eat a Tide Pod. (laughs) (laughs) And Bobby would just, like, lose his mind and start yelling and screaming at the dinner table. Screw you, Dad. I don't have any anger issues. I'm going to eat this Tide Pod. (laughs) Um, So they they get a, a radio call. And they find out that there's kind of like a, a fight breaking out at the morgue. And Albert, I mean, what a surprise, isn't carrying on well with the coroner. And apparently they take issue with how he's treating Laura and her family. And in, in that makes sense because we see in, in the last episode about Albert comes in with his cold, rugged, uh, matter-of-fact, to-the-point demeanor, and that's not the type of town that Twin Peaks is. And, and that's going to be said later on in the episode, but it it's true. Twin Peaks... Uh, now, not everyone shows up at Laura's funeral, but everyone in this town is mourning because of the death of this woman. And uh, I, I think later on we'll see how, how good of a job that Coop does of of trying to drill that into Albert's skull. Yeah, so when they get to the coroner's office, they're kind of really going at it. And a part of me kind of agrees with Albert. Like, well, also, also yes, because he's called in by the Federal Bureau of Investigations to do a job. He No, he's here at, at Coop's request. And I, I also do completely understand he needs to do a job. He needs to run his tox reports. He, you know, he finds something that we'll talk talk about later in her body. Who knows what else he could find inside of her to give us answers to this web of mysteries. Yeah. What are these civilians even doing in the coroner's yeah. office? Okay. Like, yeah. We, we should probably talk about that. that so, yeah. <laughs> so they get there. You see Albert and they're kind of going at it. And then Ben Horn, Audrey's father, kind of like steps up to the plate and starts speaking on everyone's behalf and he's basically trying to smooth things over and albert basically tells him to go fuck himself um one of the lines that he uses that i really liked was i'm the sultan of sentiment oh it's such a great line there were a couple more but that one was my favorite uh the the my favorite line of his and i think this goes to show how how Dale, how Cooper has already acclimated into Twin Peaks culture is Albert says, uh, he says to Ben, go back to your rocking chair and start whittling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are a couple things that keep coming back and whittling is definitely one of them. I th- I wonder if that's just to kind of drive home the point of how small of a town this is. Sleepy little Twin Peaks. So Dale and the sheriff arrive and things start calming down. But Albert still takes the opportunity to read the residents of Twin Peaks to filth. Mm-hmm. And the sheriff punches him square across the face. And you know he's been dying to do that. Oh, yeah. In, in, to add insult to injury, Albert lands on top of Laura's body. And I'm surprised they're not all shocked at what happened. Albert gets up and Dale basically tells him to back down. And he sends the sheriff to go wait for him in the car. Mm-hmm. And he basically commands Albert to get the shit done by noon and release the body to the family. Yeah. And you know what? Albert basically falls in line. I'm assuming Dale is like a higher up than him. Uh, How else would he summon him to Twin Peaks and basically tell him to be quiet and do his job, right? uh, Without spoiling, this won't be a spoiler, but within, I would say, 
some of the stuff that we see in later season two and in the return, they are kind of on an even playing field. I think Albert is just kind of maybe in a different department. Maybe Coop did him a favor a while ago and, you know, and and he thinks Albert is the best, you know, in, in this particular field. So he he asks Albert to do him a solid. So when all this shit happens and they all leave, uh, it's just Dale basically in the room and he sees Laura's arm sticking out and he like picks it up and just kindly puts it down on top of her. I honestly don't think Albert was doing anything wrong. The civilians should not have been there. Number one, he, they were basically exactly as he said, obstructing justice Mm -hmm. and like be quiet. Like hold, who told him to have the funeral that day? Like stop it. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know much about planning funerals for someone. I don't know anything for planning funerals for someone that's been murdered, but I would assume there are certain tests that have to be ran before a body can be released to the family. Definitely. But also it's like, you know, there's no way that body would have been ready to be buried by noon. There's no way. Like I'm assuming they didn't embalm her either. There's no way. They They probably wouldn't have had time. Yeah. They, I guess they just put her in the box and had the funeral. Well, I mean, this, uh, this is kind of the the perfect setup for when the witch doctor comes in season two. There's a witch doctor? No, 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 I'm kidding. <laughs> I got immediately very excited. Oh, no. <laughs> if there's no witch doctor now, this is over. Oh, there's no witch doctor. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm sorry. Uh, so now we kind of see Leland Palmer, Laura's dad, and he's just seated. With an older woman that, for whatever reason, looked to me like a carbon copy of Dorothy Sbornak from Golden Girls. B. Arthur? Uh, I'm familiar with watch the... Golden Girls? No. Well, guess what, everyone? Season two of HPT <laughs> is going to be Golden Girls. <laughs> uh, see, I was going to pitch Murder, She Wrote, but no. Um, isn't B. Arthur in that as well? I've never watched Murder, She Wrote. Oh, Okay. <laughs> I know of it, and I know the the lady that's in it, but Can, so uh, that lady, uh, I, th- her, the the nurse, her only character motivation in this show is to keep showing up to give Leland and Sarah Palmer sedatives. That's all she's here doing. So she's like, just the sedative dispenser. Yeah, like like two episodes ago, um, when when uh, sheriff. Truman and Coop come over to ask Sarah questions and they go up into her room and find the diary and the videotape player. Um, the nur- the nurse is there and gives Sarah a sedative. And it's the same lady from that episode that's giving Leland an injection in his arm. It's so weird. Man, the 90s were a time, weren't they? Yeah. So the doorbell rings and the sedative dispenser gets up. And I guess she goes to get the door and they kind of show us the TV and they're just watching a soap opera. And then his niece walks in and her name is Maddie. And clearly she's just coming to town for the funeral. Mm-hmm. Who is Maddie? I'm assuming it's not a one-time cameo. 
Well, so what's interesting is Maddie, the reason why Maddie is, uh, Madeline is a carbon copy of Laura Palmer is because she's played by the lady that plays Laura Palmer. And... What? Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the, the girl who plays Laura Palmer plays Madeline. She's just like in dark hair? Yeah. Oh my God. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Holy shit. And so, uh... This is actually something she that has I can... big glasses. Yeah. Dark, like, full house hair. Mm-hmm. Wow, I didn't know that. You just blew my mind. And uh, so this is something that I'm just now putting together. And curious as to your thoughts on it. When... I'm just, I'm just going to scroll back up real quick to when... Uh, Coop is talking to, oh yes, uh, so when Coop is talking to, uh, the sheriff and Lucy at the beginning of this episode, talking about his dream with the little person and what he said, so that girl that we see in the red room is the little person, is the little guy's cousin, and he says, she looks like Laura Palmer. And then we have this girl that shows up who claims to be the cousin of Laura Palmer. And if you notice, it takes a few seconds for Leland to to register in his head who this woman is. Do you think that she's actually Laura's cousin? Or do you think that she's a creation of the Red Room? The Red Room has powers like that? I'm just asking because this is just now something that I'm putting together. Because I still have a lot of blank spots from my last rewatch. I think that's Laura's cousin. Okay. But I don't think it's... At least from the info that I've been presented so far, I don't think it's that far-fetched that the dream world would be a reflection of the real world. Okay. If the dream world is a projection of our consciousness, at least from what I... Is it a dream world? I don't know. I don't know what it actually is. But if it's a projection of our consciousness, would it be that hard for it to be that similar yet different? The cast of the casting crew of the dream world would be a projection of what our brains know. Mm-hmm. But also, is it a dream world? Is the red room a dream world? That's something we'll have to wait to find out. So I didn't. I didn't mean to derail that. That was just a thought that popped into my mind. Does the red room have powers? <laughs> now I'm gonna be thinking like. Is this, uh, is the Red Room a character itself? I don't know. I don't know. Things are going to get Finchian. <laughs> I'm surprised know. that didn't piss any people off that we started saying that. No one, no one even fucking cared. <laughs> I'm just going to embrace it. Everything is Finchian now. <laughs> would people buy t-shirts that say that's so Finchian? That's I so would. Finch? I would. No one would understand it, though. If if you guys want that shirt, let us know. And we could put, like, a cute finch. 
Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe dipping his head into a cup of coffee. Yeah. Don't give your birds coffee. Yeah. That, that Caffeine would, will kill them. I was going to say, I know that after I have half a cup of coffee, my heart's pounding. So I can't imagine what it would do to it. Do birds have hearts? Tiny bird. Birds have hearts, right? Yeah, of course they have hearts. Okay. I don't know how <laughs> birds work. Uh, okay, so, yeah, we, we get introduced to Maddie. The lady never comes back either, the sedative dispenser. Ah, she did her job. Yeah, she's out of there. Um, so now we're at the diner, and Norma seems to be talking to a parole officer about her husband possibly getting out of jail early for good behavior. I think that's her husband's lawyer. Is it? I, I'm I'm pretty sure because he's I, he's there to make sure that she's gonna give her husband glowing remarks at the parole hearing. I'm not sure how important this is, other than for us to realize she's married and her husband is like a murderer, and we know her involvement with Big Ed. Yeah. So, but I'm not worried because I know that Drapes could take him, so. A drapes could take anyone in this town. She really can. She could 1v1 anyone. <laughs> she, could, she could 1v Twin Peaks. <laughs> she could just burst into the red room like the Kool-Aid man and just take it all down. Stop your dancing. It's too loud. <laughs> <laughs> Are these curtains silent? <laughs> Oh my god, that would be so funny. Oh, and she that just would be so rips funny. all the curtains. It's no longer yeah. the Red Room game over. <laughs> Season's done. She replaces them with her silent drapes. Oh god. Uh, so we kind of find out that Dor Norma is the owner of the diner. I didn't know that. I don't think I knew that. We didn't really hear about it up until now, have we? I just thought I, she worked there. Oh, I might have said it once or twice, but it's fairly inconsequential. So now we get Dale and the sheriff and they're walking toward Leo to ask him some questions. And he's like chopping wood in, in a way that feels more aggressive than chopping wood while talking to a sheriff and an FBI agent should feel. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you ask him to stop? I think you Put would expect the axe down. I think you would expect the person you're talking to to naturally stop. <laughs> yeah. Put the axe down. Did, please. Did uh did Sheriff Truman rest his hand? Does Sheriff Truman have a gun now? I can't remember. Cuz for some reason in my head I'm picturing him resting his hand on his gun during this scene. But I can't remember. I don't think so. I didn't pick up on that. Okay. But maybe. Does he even own a gun? Uh, you know, I don't know. Who needs a gun in Twin Peaks? I mean, he's just running around punching people. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so they start talking to Leo, um, and Leo gets very defensive. He claims he doesn't personally know Laura, but we know that's not the truth. I think Dale definitely knows that he knows Laura. Oh, I mean, Dale, Dale, even, Dale even tells him that he's lying so it's like yeah i would assume any question that i ask this man he's gonna lie to me about especially do you beat your wife no dale gets kind of confrontational and says that he does know laura and asks about his record my record's clean yeah sure sure leo 
Um, Dale starts listing charges against him, and Leo responds that he's already repaid his debt to society. I mean, fair, but we know the truth. Although, can we talk about the first charge that that he that he had, which was uh, illegal U-turn? <laughs> I mean, it's Twin Peaks. It's Twin Peaks. Oh, okay, that's as bad as armed robbery. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but he kind of jumps back and says that he has an alibi for the night of Laura's murder. And he claims that he was in Butte, Montana, and that Shelley can corroborate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's basically it for him. We get this very weird scene of Bobby standing in front of a crucifix. I don't know what he was doing. Was he kind of mimicking Jesus with hand motions? or? I I, I think so. I, I, it's, I would say it's clear that he doesn't respect religion and you know as as we find out later he just wants this whole thing with laura especially the burial to be over because he he's bottling up his emotions so much and like like a teenager he's he's afraid to explore those emotions and question them maybe he isn't as sad as he feels like he should be so that's making him angry you know and i i think that he's taking his anger out on the aspect of religion and uh, things of that nature. He's definitely very emotionally stunted, but typical high school boy. Yeah. But in a weird way, now that I think about it, he's dating Shelly, right? Yeah. She's a grown ass woman and she's dating a high school boy that, uh, I would probably say Shelly's 18. No, I would probably say she's seven, either 17 or 18. I, and I would Leo's say that, just married to her? Yeah, I I would say, if anything, Shelly's 18, dropped out of school early. She probably didn't have a lot of, her parents didn't have a lot of money. And um, she just kind of had to start working for a living, fell, fell in with Bobby, fell in with Leo. Maybe she was kicked out of the house because she was dating Leo. Um, I, I would say that at the most, she's probably 18. Impeccable taste in men. Yeah. Impeccable. Two winners. Uh, we get this really nice exchange between Bobby and his dad. Again, his dad, for whatever reason, he just soothes all of my daddy issues. Oh, he's... Like, I wish I had someone talking to me like that. I wish. Not not only is his voice like smooth as butter, but he's just he's so sweet and every and Bobby is such an asshole to him and every time he's like Bobby, I understand why you're acting the way you're acting. He sounds And it's okay. Just like Hank Hill. He does. <laughs> Hank Hill but with he he's also very like empathetic, I feel. Yeah. He really lets Bobby know that he gets what he's going through, and Bobby's just not having it. Oh, yeah, and it, he even tries to connect with Bobby by saying uh, that he had to, in war, bury some of his closest friends. And it, Bobby, I understand where you're coming from. You know, it's he's it's just everything about him is so wonderful, and Bobby just doesn't know how goddamn good he has it. I wish I wrote the line down, but he says something along the lines of, like, a death in a war is too soon, and Laura's death was also too soon. Something yes. like something along those lines. He asks Bobby, or 
accuses Bobby of maybe being scared of the funeral. Mm-hmm. And that's when Bobby, like, loses his mind. And he starts yelling and screaming. <laughs> in, in a very overly uh, characterized, like, version of a toddler having a tantrum. Yeah. Did, was he smoking at the time? Or did he put it out? Because he was smoking at the start of the conversation. Yeah, I think... Uh, no, it, I think the cigarette was in his mouth. And his dad was like, Bobby, put that down. It's filthy. <laughs> um, so now we're back at the police station. Mm-hmm. And they kind of imply that they're already on the search for the man with the one arm. And he yeah. makes a comment that Deputy Hawk is the one that's searching for him. And he's known to be like the best tracker in the area. And they're walking towards like a conference room and they meet Albert because he has the test results already. Oh, and the the one thing I wanted to to mention is one of the times we talked about Josie, we uh, I specific, specifically referred to her as the only minority in the show. That was completely wrong. Uh, Deputy Hawk is a Native American, and um, I I feel bad, and I've been meaning to go back in in retcon my statement. So there we go. I said it. Well, and we also get a witch doctor. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, I honestly didn't put two and two together that Deputy Hawk was Native American until later on when he starts talking about the Blackfoot Mm -hmm. legend. Yeah. So, but I'll let you know what I first heard when I watched it, when we got there. So Albert is waiting with the results. And of course, Dale was right. They found cocaine in the envelope. Mm -hmm. The toxicology reports for her body also showed positive for cocaine. Newsflash. The little lady had a habit. I can't do his voice. His voice. Very, (laughs) like, condescending. The little lady had a habit. They also found fibers of twine embedded in her wrists and arms. Two different kinds of twine, to be exact. So, the fibers found in the railroad car matched the ones on her wrist, as well as the ones used to bind Ronette. She was tied up twice in different locations before she died. Then Albert kind of demonstrates how she was tied up, and he pulled his arms back, and Dale mumbles. Sometimes Sometimes. my arms bend back. Yes. So it's kind of weird because you pointed out earlier Maddie, right? The cousin. Yeah. We get two callbacks to the Red Room. We do. We get the cousin, and then we get the arms bending back. I didn't catch the Maddie thing until you pointed it out. I wonder if there's any other ones. I the dancing, Leland is like oh, freaking that's out. That's true. So I would he love turned... to dance with Ray Wise. I would have danced with him if if I saw a grieving father at a bar. Everyone knows who Leland is. Everyone knows who Laura is. If I saw not 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 just Ray Wise. If I saw Leland Palmer having a breakdown at a bar saying dance with me i would be like yes sir you got it i felt really bad for him in that scene it's it's so hard but we'll we'll get there yeah sorry (laughs) so he turns on a tape and he shows that there are claw marks and bites the sheriff makes a comment that it may be an animal and albert replies look it's trying to think what a douche (laughs) i love it i love that line though look it's trying to think he just spits it out too like matter of fact it's it's almost like he had pre-planned that bit 
because it just rolls right off the tip of his tongue. Uh, and then finally, he shows a small plastic fragment found in her stomach that was partially digested. And I think it was a letter J. Uh, correct. Yes. So now we have both the letter R that was found under the fingernail and a letter J that hasn't been found. What do you think that means? Are we, are we thinking that it could be Robert, a.k.a. Bobby, and J, a.k.a. James? I don't know. But also, like, why are you making, why are you doing, you're going to kill her. Why would you stuff a letter under her fingernail with your, like, first letter and then make her eat a letter J? I would say that serial killers do odd things. But is it a serial killer that we're looking at? I mean, at 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 this point, it very much seems like a serial I know killer. Dale mentions that this happened before. But mm-hmm. are the murders connected? They did find a letter under the fingernail of the first person they're referring to. So then the killer has to be someone that comes and goes from Twin Peaks if it happened before someplace else. Or they were passing through Twin Peaks. Hmm. Okay. The hamster wheel is turning. Uh, so Albert asked for a moment alone with Cooper. And he asked oh, Dale wait, to... Uh, real quick, can I just say the one other thing that he mentioned, and I think this goes to show where they should have given him more time with the body. He was able to find two different kinds of soap on Laura. And, that's right. And there's the one soap that's um, different from one that's on another part of her body, and it's on the back of her neck, which leads Albert to believe that someone touched Laura's body with soapy hands at one point, Rewashed their hands and then cradled the back of her neck and Albert mimes going down for a kiss. Like, could you imagine if he would have had four more hours with the body? How do you even figure that out? You gotta be Albert. That's high level. That, like, high level. Um, The smoochy... Miming was interesting. Mm-hmm. I it, it was a, almost like a silly image. Albert too is also a virgin. Yes, I I would say he has never felt the supple embrace <laughs> of a woman. I don't think so either. Or a man, or a or man. man. Maybe that's why he was throwing out uh, derogatory queer terms in the last episode. Uh, true. Wait, no, that was Sheriff. That was Sheriff. Oh, right. Harry Truman. Right, that's right. Cancel Harry Truman. <laughs> <laughs> so, Albert asked for a moment alone with Cooper, and he asked Dale to sign off on a report for the assault he endured earlier. Dale declines, saying that he's been in Twin Peaks for a few days, and he's only seen decency, honor, and dignity. And he goes on this whole, like, monologue. <laughs> I'm not going to read it, but basically he loves where he's at. Mm-hmm. and he trusts the people that are there and he doesn't like that he keeps shit talking to them and <laughs> Albert's response is it sounds like you've been snacking on some of the local mushrooms and then he does like a hair flip <laughs> and walks out of the room um, I, I do like how, how how Coop sticks to his guns here where he, he basically says to Albert you know you had this coming and the only reason why it hasn't been done to you before 
is because people are too afraid. These people in this town have reached the end of their rope. Uh, a once-in-a-lifetime event has happened in this town. Show some goddamn respect. I, I'm still not sure, though. Not sure. Just because Albert is douchey, yes. Mm -hmm. They should have let him do his job. And they oh, should have postponed yes. the funeral. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. And they had no business interfering with police business, basically. And <laughs> you would only get away with that in a little tiny town like Twin Peaks. Mm -hmm. Like, why is Ben Horn getting involved? Like, ben Horn is, is suspect number one this week. Well, and also, there's the one line that Ben says where uh, he says Leland couldn't make it. Why would Leland have to make it to the second autopsy wait no no the uh do the doctor couldn't do the autopsy because he was too upset that's why albert did it um but why would leland even be asked to come to the autopsy of his daughter weird i think ben is trying to cover his tracks or or see see what the people know see what the investigators know so that if he needs to course correct in any way he he can yeah so we get a nice little Diane that I want you to read. Diane, it's 12.27 p.m. I'd like you to look into my pension plan options regarding outside real estate investment. I may look into purchasing a piece of property at what I assume to be a very reasonable price. I mean, good for him. I hope he moves to Twin Peaks. Dude, seriously, I, I want to move to Twin Peaks. I want to move to this version of Twin Peaks. The TikTok-free Twin Peaks? The TikTok-free Twin Peaks. No Instagram, no <laughs> Facebook, no, no fucking spam calls every two minutes because my information oh, got I... leaked from the Ashley Madison thing. What were you doing on <laughs> Ashley Madison? <laughs> that was the only leak that came to my mind when I thought of leaks. <laughs> I, I hate the spam calls, let me tell you. I don't know why, too. Like, I specifically get spam calls that are robot Chinese callers. Ah, uh, see, I, I've i gotten an influx of them because I was looking for an apartment on Facebook Marketplace. And I was talking with this person, and everything seemed to be, like, looking good. Turns out it was uh, uh, a spam listing. And ever since that, I... Ever since I was texting with that person from Facebook Marketplace, I've gotten like 60 spam calls a day. Oh my god. Yeah. Fuck you, Facebook. So now we're at Big Ed's house, and he's staring at this tchotchke on a shelf. And then Drapes comes like running in very, very strangely too. Like she comes in like this lovey-dovey girl, and she curls up to his chest like she's... They're both standing up, but she's like curled into him. And she gives him this big kiss and she kind of whimpers, love me. And it, it's not like a, a statement. I think he takes it like a statement. But to me, it sounded like, please like, love me. Oh, okay. So he's he's acting distant. I mean, I could understand because she just fucking she-hulked the last time he saw her and, and screamed at him. So I could understand maybe his trepidation a little bit in being as, in the same room as her. Yeah, clearly Twin Peaks lacks TikTok and fucking Lamictal because she needs a, like she she needs something to like keep her even. Could you we imagine We don't know what we're going to get. Every time he enters this house it's a different reaction from her. Could you imagine her on like Adderall? No, she needs to be on like Oh, oh she Oh, so Zoloft. It's something. 
<laughs> something. So she's like really being loving to him. And he points at a tchotchke and asks if it's new. And she goes, yes, which is random. She has a collection of these. She starts recalling back in the day how Big Ed and Norma were an item. And they were basically like the couple, like the power mm-hmm. couple in high school. And she admired them from afar. And she even called them like a handsome couple. But she just knew, she just knew that if he got to know her, he would fall head over heels in love with her. And I mean, maybe she's right because he's with her. Yeah, I, he's he's just so vacant throughout this whole exchange. I don't know what's going through his head because, yeah, he's, it's almost like he doesn't know what's going on and he doesn't know how to get off. Like, I missed my stop. Oh, he, oh, no, I was going to say he knows how to get off, but it's with Norma. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did you get the vibe that they had just, like, made love or something the night before? Uh, he and Drapes or he and Norma? He and Drapes. Uh, because I she would... says you came back to me. And it seemed I... like he had, like, an awakening and they, you know, made love. And, you know, she's back on now because she felt the heat of passion from him i think that the heat of passion she felt was him dripping oil onto Mm. her drape runner i would say they have a very sexless relationship do you think the oil dripping is metaphor (laughs) i mean shit i want someone to drape to drip their oil on my cotton balls Uh, and then Jane, she she catches a glimpse of a motor a glimpse of a motorcycle, and she goes, "Is that yours? Who does it belong to?" And James walks in, and she literally, I, "How do you not know who James is? Yeah. Isn't that like his cousin or Co- his nephew?" No, his nephew, yeah. And she goes, "James, who?" <laughs> She's another one that's not well, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, she. She almost kind of seems like someone who like was forced a lobotomy on, but she was like moving so much that they botched the lobotomy and the wrong part of her brain has been shut off. And now she's just obsessed with tchotchkes and silent <laughs> runners. Oh, shit, I could go so, for a lobotomy, though. Um, so clearly James is planning on going with Ed to the funeral. And... He basically is like, we don't want to be late. And James screams, I'm not going. And his response is, it's Laura. But James storms out. My question is, if you weren't planning on going, why did you drive to Big Ed's house? I would say probably so he has enough respect for his uncle that he doesn't want to make his uncle late. But that that's probably the, the only thing. I was going to say for the drama. But, I mean, that the, makes the, sense, too. The denizens of Twin Peaks do like their drama. Yeah, they're, he, he came over just for the drama. <laughs> so, now we're at the Great Northern. And we see Audrey, and she's wearing this really cool outfit. She's, like, head-to-toe black. Mm-hmm. Her hair is slicked back. It looks badass. Yeah, she really she looks like a femme fatale. Mm-hmm. And she eavesdrops on her parents, and they're both complaining. <coughs> they're both complaining about Johnny. And basically, they don't want to be seen in public with him, especially if he's wearing that headdress. She kind of stops listening, and she crawls into the secret passage. Mm-hmm. And she sees 
Wait, do you think she built that secret passage? I don't know if she built it or she found it. Or, or found it. Okay, yeah, that, 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 that probably makes more sense. Like, I'm sure there's probably, like, maid quarters or something in this old hotel. Mm, Maybe? Yeah. It didn't look like it would be anything like that, though. Maybe it was just a crawl space. But the board, the panel that she kind of, like, slips in to, like, peep through the hole. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She must have done that. Because it was just a have. perfect little spot. Yeah. And she sees what who I assume to be Dr. Jacoby coaxing Johnny to remove the headdress. Mm-hmm. Um, but Johnny, instead of letting him take it off, he takes it off himself. Which I don't... Is that a big deal? Like, I know the only time we've seen him, he was wearing it. Uh, I would say it, it's big de- It's a big deal. <laughs> um, a big deal in the sense of maybe Johnny is overcoming some of his... Um, Emotional issues? Accessible needs, maybe. Maybe. I'm assuming the headdress is important to him. If he doesn't take it off. Yeah, kind of like how, kind of like how, you know, e-girls have 55,000 squishmallows. Um, That's, that's, (laughs) that was was a terrible connection. (laughs) Um, So we're finally at the funeral. Yes. And we see this large crowd and they're all around. I I put casket. I'm not sure what it was, if it was a coffin or a casket. I guess it's a casket. Is, is is, Is it just... Are they the same words? Mm-mm. Oh, One of not. them is like a detachable lid, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, we're going to get the mortuary <laughs> sciences people all up in arms. Yeah. Don't at They're... me about my improper use of the word. <laughs> uh, he said the M word. We don't care about that, but he mislabeled <laughs> casket. <laughs> um. So... Up to now, there's nothing really unusual happening at this funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, we see James is kind of in the background, so he did show up to the funeral. You and I wrote the same exact word. James is skulking in the background. <laughs> he really is. Now, I don't know if you got the same vibes as me, but I have a feeling the priest was a frequent oh. flyer at the One-Eyed Jack for a long Oh, my God. I was so uncomfortable throughout this whole thing. I loved Laura. She loved me. She made me a new man. Yeah. It was creepy. It made me feel gross. Yes. Um, so they're they're doing like the normal funeral stuff, praying. And then Johnny screams, Amen. The priest thanks him. And then Bobby yells, Amen. And he kind of like shoves his way to the front of the line. And he starts freaking out. And he kind of... I don't know how telling it is, but he says, you want to know who killed Laura? You did. We all did. That, and that, that's the one scene I was referring to earlier. It is... We, so we finally get this moment of Bobby accepting his emotions, but they've bottled up so much that he can't ignore them anymore and this is what his father was trying to uh, was was trying to prevent from happening by sitting down with bobby multiple times and talking to him and but i'm glad that it i'm glad that bobby finally got to release his emotions but it was very much the wrong time wrong place um but he 
again back to the acting the guy that the guy that plays bobby i think is dana ashbrook i might be wrong about that um his emotional splooge is so powerful and it it hurts to watch it 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 does he did a very good job i don't really know exactly what happened here and i've watched it twice Mm -hmm. i can't make heads or tails of it but we get this weird scene of bobby starts running Mm -hmm. and then they go into slow-mo and then it's it looks like maybe they just added the next part after the fact because james is also running yeah it's implied that they're running to each other to fight i'm guessing bobby catches the fact that james is there so i think this could be one of those uh one of those star wars who shot first type deals if you know what i'm referring to yeah uh I, I do think that once Bobby sees James, that his emotions are so overflowing that it's his his gut instinct to attack the person that he thinks caused this Talora. Conversely, James sees someone who he knows is an active who was an active negative aspect of Laura's life having this big freak out at the funeral and james is like screw it i'm gonna attack this guy i don't know but you said you you couldn't make up your mind as to really who ran first is that what you're saying yeah i don't know if it was just like an editing thing in the episode it was a little confusing but i definitely think you're right for the reasoning i think james was annoyed that bobby was causing the scene at the funeral almost being Mm -hmm. disrespectful and i think bobby was just so whipped up he just needed a focus for that aggression Mm mm-hmm and when he sees James, it's just both of them. You're a dead man. Dead man. Yeah. And you... um, Big Ed and Dale kind of jump in between and stop them, luckily. Do but while this that... is happening. Uh, real, real quick, do you think that Bobby looks like a young Willem Dafoe? He I think does they, a little bit. I think they look so much alike. I don't know why, but I've been seeing so many memes of James lately. And I don't know if it's just the algorithm, but there's one specific with his hairline and his forehead. Yes, I know I exactly see everywhere. I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh my god, that's a good one. I don't know why either, but uh, so while all this is happening and they're like scuffling, Leland starts freaking out. He drops onto the casket. I feel so bad for laughing at this. Well, the the the, the weird thing about this is that it's uncomfortable to the point of being almost a little cringy. Uh, I think I would disagree. I, if, if we would have seen Leland fall on the casket and it go down and then it cut away, I would think that was powerful. But I think that this going up and down and the motors on the casket and or coffin things, um, uh, malfunctioning, I, I felt so bad for laughing, but it does it feel camp? No, I, it works for me. Like I could understand how it seems cringy, but it, it for me it works. I didn't know what to make of it. I just knew that it was weird, because they also make it a point to mention in the scene while this is all happening that the machine is malfunctioning. Mm-hmm. And then of course you get his wife. I don't. I don't get her. I understood her at the beginning of the show, but then she kind of like drops her knees and says, "Don't ruin this too." Uh, correction she screams don't ruin this too (laughs) yeah 
Oh, and God. She just, where is her sympathy? At the start of the season, she was the one that was losing her mind. Mm-hmm. Now we have Leland, and she seems to just completely not understand where he's coming from. I think both of them needed one more visit from B. Arthur before this funeral. You're probably right. B. Arthur needed to dispense some beds to make them better. So the funeral ends mm-hmm. and we cut to stoplights and like it's oddly silent. And I don't know. It just felt so ominous to me. Do you remember what? Because I also for the final shot of this is also on a street light. Do you remember what color the light is on? Red. Okay. Because it's red here and then it's red at the end. Okay. But I think in this scene, it's it's a blinking red light. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so it's telling us to to slow down, not stop. That's what that's what blinking red means, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it could also mean I I should know what this means. I have a driver's license. I mean, I but need to. I know. <laughs> like, if there's a fire truck coming out of like a fire station, like an emergency, mm-hmm. it'll blink red to let you know. But again, it, you know, it, I think it means stop, then go. Like, you're supposed to Oh, right, to stop. okay. You're not waiting for the green. Yet, when yeah. it's blinking yellow, that's more of a yield. Slow. Okay. But I'm pretty sure blinking red means to stop and then make sure it's okay and then go. Gotcha. Okay, look at us. Passing yeah. our test. Well, technically, I failed my driver's test. But you still have a license? But I have a license. I mean, in my mind, okay, there were stop signs, but it was on a course and there were no other cars, so why would I stop? Because it's a test. Well, I took all the stop signs <laughs> because there were, there were no other cars anywhere near. Like, why would I stop? So 17-year-old me just took every single stop sign. But I still passed. Oh, good. That's good. Do you stop at them now? I stop at every... I am such a fucking grandma driver now. It's mm. not even funny. Same. All right. So now it's nighttime. I feel like Twin Peaks is a different animal at nighttime. And that, that, that'll that kind of play into how this episode ends. Okay, so now we're back at the Double R Diner. It's nighttime officially. And I, I kind of was surprised by this, but Shelly was making yes. jokes about the funeral. I was very uncomfortable by that. I didn't... It felt very out of character for her. No, it, like, it's, it's gross. Yeah. Like, you want me to feel bad... Obviously, I feel bad for this woman because she's being domestically assaulted every single night of her life. But now you're showing me that she's kind of an asshole. Mm. And she's, I don't know who the men were. They were just like old men. Yeah. And she's kind of just like putting on a show for them. And they were laughing. But it it didn't seem like they stayed on it too long. It was like a blink and you miss it. Yeah. Um, And we see Big Ed and the sheriff and they're at the booth. I think... And Hawk was there too, right? Yeah. yeah, and they're waiting for Dale. And Big Ed kind of ominously makes a couple comments, basically saying that he doubts that Cooper's going to solve any mystery and mm-hmm. that they shouldn't trust him since he's not one of them. I thought that was kind of weird. I, I initially thought it was weird, but then once we kind of figure out what the one of them actually means, you know, I, I on the surface it seems like, Big Ed is saying, he's not one of us. He's not from Twin Peaks. Uh, when really, you know, it's Big Ed saying he's not part of the... The book. The the Brotherhood of uh, Books? Book Boys? Book Boys. Bookhouse Boys. Bookhouse Boys. Um, well, we are going to start calling it... What did I 
The Bootleg Losers Club. Oh. <laughs> is it just because James is in there? Well, it's, a Stephen, it's like Stephen King, I think, right? What? Yeah, The Losers Club from It. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. So we're getting close to our next little feast. Okay, I have no idea how Cooper isn't overweight with how he eats. But Cooper comes in, and they tell him to take a seat, and they offer him some fresh huckleberry pie. This is the second time I've ever heard of huckleberry pie. Norma approaches and takes Dale's order. A slice of huckleberry pie, heated, vanilla ice cream on the side, and a cup of coffee. And after he takes that order, (laughs) he kind of shoots a comment at Big Ed and asks him how long he's been in love with Norma. And he asks it so innocently. Like it shouldn't be a secret. Yeah, and it's like, oh, so you're in love with her. That's great. How long? Do you think he knows about drapes? Because, I mean, how would he know? I would say not. Yeah, he's probably oblivious to the fact that he's married. Yeah. does Ed doesn't wear a ring, does he? I haven't noticed. I'll have to check. So we start to find out some weird things about Twin Peaks. The sheriff says someone has been smuggling drugs into Twin Peaks from across the border, a.k.a. Canada. They've been trying to bust them for about six months. And one of their suspects is John. I don't know how to say his last name, but the, the bartender. <laughs> his name is Jacques Renault. Oh, it's not John? No, no, it's Jacques. Jacques. Jacques uh, Renault. So we, we finally get our third and fourth minorities in this show. Are uh, French people minorities? Oh, I thought they were Cajun. Are they Cajun? I'm pretty sure they're Cajun. I assume if they're French and they're traveling to Canada, they're... Oh, they could be French-Canadian. But but don't... uh, When they interview the the one guy, doesn't he kind of sound Cajun? Going down to the bayou here. It could also be just like 90s accents. True. Bad acting. True. I don't know, but when I hear French and I hear Canada, I just assume French-Canadian. Okay. But they could very much be, you know, people from Louisiana that transplanted... And they're just doing business in Canada. Isn't the Creole language, isn't it? Or, or uh, isn't Creole part French? I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That was a stupid joke I made anyways. Um, so they think they know that Jacques is onto them because he slipped Big Ed the Mickey. The that's also fight. another word that needs to come back. Like if I get drugged at a bar, I'm not going to be like, I got drugged last time. I'm gonna be like, I got slipped a Mickey. Why do they call it a Mickey? Uh, I think it had something to do... I've, I'm i pretty sure it's a baseball reference. Did they stop using roofied? Uh, no, I think that's kind of... I think that's kind of the term that stuck. Okay, here we go. A Mickey Finn, or simply Mickey, is a slang term for a drink laced with a drug given to someone without their knowledge. Serving someone... I don't know, I want to know where it came from. The Mickey Finn, this is from Wikipedia, so take it what it is. The Mickey Finn is most likely named after the manager and bartender of the Lone Star Saloon and Palm Garden Restaurant, which operated in 1896 to 1903. In December 1903, Chicago newspapers documented that Mickey Finn, managed, who managed the Lone, Wolf, Lone Star Saloon, was accused of using knockout drops to incapacitate and rob his customers. There we go. All right, sorry about that. <laughs> We're going to keep that in there, though. Okay. So the food gets there, and, of course, Dale's a fan, and he says, this must be where pies go when they die. And I don't know what that means. It's pie heaven. But why does the pie have to die for it to be good? (laughs) It doesn't... I don't know. My brain just doesn't compute. 
that line. <laughs> the pie is heavenly? I, I, yeah, I would say that's probably uh, Cooper's way of saying the pie is heavenly. Yeah, I'm slow. I'm sorry. <laughs> Honestly, it didn't compete to me. So Dale asks what, why they really called him in, and the sheriff says, Twin Peaks is different. Um, and then he says, it's a long way from the world. I think you've noticed that, but there's a back end to that that's kind of different too. Maybe that's the price we pay for all the good things. And Dale and says, would what would that be? There's a sort of evil out there, something very, very strange in these old woods. Call it what you want, a darkness, a presence. It takes many forms. But it's been out there for as long as anyone can remember, and we've always been here to fight it. We? Men before us, men before them, more after we're gone. A secret society. And then that's when they go and take a ride out to the book house. Which is kind of weird. Like, I'm assuming this is just like a bookstore. It's it's a very odd place. <laughs> Was there a pool table? I think I remember a pool table. I think so. There were definitely shelves because when they come across the guy that's tied up, there was like books and shelves. Yeah, I kind of think that this might be their like uh their version of a man cave or a tree house. Once they get there, he says they've been meeting there together for the past 20 years, and they call themselves the Bookhouse Boys. I eye-rolled severely. <laughs> Very corny. In my notes, I, I literally put, is this like a bootleg Stephen King losers club? <laughs> so they walk back, and they see James, Joey Paulson, and Bernard Renault, Jock's brother. But he's physically gagged, and he's the janitor that works at the roadhouse. Bernard was caught crossing the border with an ounce of cocaine in his bag. Out of curiosity, I googled what an ounce of cocaine looks like. Because they act like it's a lot. I, I feel like coke, coke is usually measured in kilos, right? Because I've been watching a lot of the Nat Geo show uh, to catch a smuggler. And they always... Oops, Jesus. Um, they always refer to things as in kilos. Um, I know weed is like ounces, right? I think so. Grams and ounces? Yeah. Pounds if you're lucky. <laughs> Pounds if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they remove his gag and Dale asks him if he's ever sold drugs to Laura Palmer. And he says, I don't sell drugs. Oh, the can sheriff, we, also, can we, we also talk about how like chill Coop is with all of this? Because this they is basically abducted someone. Yeah, this is like vigilante justice. Like good Bernard needs to be arrested for what he did. Uh, but also this is highly illegal. They're just holding him against his will at some random bookstore or whatever this place is. And they have him gagged. This could be like the intro to a porno, the bookstore boys. Could you imagine if like this episode just went to like soft core skinamax? <laughs> uh, so the sheriff asks him how much Jock pays him. And he replies with Jock, don't pay me nothing. Jock don't pay me nothing. He claims the cocaine is his and he doesn't sell it. Um, they ask him where his brother's been and he claims he doesn't know where he's at either, but that he'd be back to work that night at the roadhouse. Doesn't Coop say something along the lines of why would he, why would you tell us where he's actually going to be at or something like that? Yeah, he does. And I think he's just like, I don't keep track of him and he has a job. So I'm assuming he's going to be at his job or something. L.O. Um, Bean. Yeah. I don't know. For whatever reason, he looks like 90s L.L. Bean to me. 
Doesn't he? He's got that. He has like a weird puffer vest. Yeah. Flannel. So they show us the roadhouse and a red blinking light is going off at the top. And we can tell that Jacques is kind of like worried. This is the, the bartender. Mm-hmm. And he kind of like runs off to a payphone and he calls up Leo and basically is like, the bus light is on. I wonder who set it off, first of all. I, I would probably say when Bernard didn't show up with the drugs at a reasonable time, let's say give or take, give or take an hour, he's a cokehead, so he runs on cokehead time. Uh, I would say the fact that he didn't show up with the drugs was enough to make someone who's also in on it with them be like, okay, something's, something's going wrong here. And, and yeah, so Jock just freaks out. He calls up Leo and lets him know, and he tells him to come pick him up. Now, while this was going on, Leo was carving into his boot. Oh, I thought he was cleaning his boot. Was he? I don't, I saw, I thought he was just like cutting into his boot. I don't, is that part of boot maintenance? Cleaning or cutting? Cutting? Yeah, you gotta, gotta put new tread on it or something. Oh. I'm not a boot boy. I'm not a boot house boy, so I don't know. (laughs) So right before he runs out, Shelly's coming in. And he's kind of like shady or whatever, but I don't think she pays him any mind because she clearly has to do something. Yes. And she stows a tiny cute little gun behind a wood panel. And that's basically all we see of her. The gun had like a white handle, right? It It was something very girly. It was was a cool gun, though. It was really cool, but it was definitely like... I think it was like a pearl handle or something. It was a yassified handgun. <laughs> it definitely was. What do you think the uh what do you think the waiting day is uh to the the waiting period to get a gun in Twin Peaks is? Oh man, in the 90s you could just walk into a Walmart and walk out oh, with it. True. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, in New Jersey it's next to impossible. Next to impossible. So now we see the sheriff and he's at Josie's house. Oh, this gets this gets hot. I don't know what to make of the sheriff, honestly, but we'll get to that. So he can tell something's wrong with her, and he presses her to tell him, and she says something terrible is going to happen. They're going to hurt me. I know it. And he asks who, and she says Catherine and Benjamin Horn. The camera pans over to the intercom, and you can see Catherine is eavesdropping. Sneaky. Yeah. Josie mentioned she thinks her husband's death wasn't an accident. And that Catherine keeps two ledgers with two different sets of numbers in her safe. She walks the sheriff over to the safe, opens it, and now there's only one ledger. I want to know how Catherine knew that that the that the jig was up with the wall safe because she didn't see Pete take the key. Maybe she tried to find the key and the key wasn't there. Uh, she she's a bad bitch. She is. Okay, I would be scared i'm sure nothing happens without her knowledge that's true yeah she probably has that place if she's got intercoms that she can eavesdrop (laughs) i'm sure her she must have like ocd or something she's checking this the keys i'm sure she's probably also like constantly covering her tracks Mm -hmm. but yeah because now we see she has a second hiding place that's already set up i love it she is a very special character (laughs) They open the safe and they see there's only one ledger now and the camera now shows Catherine holding the other ledger close at heart and she turns off the intercom then goes and hides the other ledger. I just saw your next note. I'm so glad I don't read this before. Oh my God. (laughs) Well, you know you're going to read it out loud now because I can't. So Peter wanders in and goes. 
Have you seen my tackle box? <laughs> yes, exactly. And Catherine kind of goes in on him. And his response is basically, maybe I'll check the truck. Maybe I'll check the truck. And then just turns tail and leaves. He knows not to engage her. She's nuts. So it's still nighttime. And Dr. Jacoby walks over to Laura's grave with flowers in hand. And Dale kind of like shows up. This is a very like Buffy and Angel moment too. Like that that's not a reference that I get, but I I can I think I can completely understand what you're referring to with it. Season two of HPTV is gonna be the entire show of Buffy. <laughs> Dale heads over and says, I didn't even see you at the funeral today. And my note is what the hell is Dr. Jacoby wearing? Why is he wearing a lavender cape? And where do I get it? I want to dress like Dr. Jacoby every day for the rest of my life. This is the dude with the weird, like, blue room, the artificial palm trees with coconuts. I think he was wearing, like, a blue paisley print that episode, too. Okay. He just looks like a hobbit wizard. <laughs> No, there's something about him that screams like if Gandalf and Bilbo Baggins were just smushed together in the 70s, that would be him. I think you're going to lose your shit over his about over his character in season three. He's still around in season three. Oh, yeah. So in the time jump, he's still there. He's still alive. Oh, uh, this lavender cape, though, it's got the little like tie. Mm hmm. Where he like knots it together. He's a hobbit. I'm telling you. He is a, a wizard hobbit. And he kind of talks to Dale. And he goes. I'm a terrible person Mr. Cooper. I pretend that I'm not but I am. Oh I sit and listen to their problems. Day after day. These people think of me as their friend. The truth is I really don't care. I thought nothing. No one could ever reach me again. Laura changed all that. I couldn't come today. I just couldn't. I hope she understands. I hope she forgives me. That would be sweet if it wasn't so fucking creepy. Because again, she's a child. It goes back to episode one when we get that recording. And I swear, it sounds like she's talking to him. Or he's at least imagining that she's talking to him. Saying, mm -hmm. I love you. Maybe that's what he needs to hear. Is he saying, I hope she forgives me because of missing the funeral or because of something he did? I would say it's because of missing the funeral. You think he was like that, like he fell for her that much? I think a lot of people in this town did. I mean, this funeral was basically full of admirers of her. The yeah. priest. Whew. So we cut back to Josie's house and she's now in the sheriff's arms. She's worried and she feels her husband was killed and she may be next. She claims that they want her mill and that Benjamin Horn wants to take her land. So I'm thinking Catherine wants the mill and Benjamin just wants the land. Yeah, I, 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 th my looking at this from the outside in, it seems that Catherine wants the mill back to her and Benjamin's just going to fuck Catherine over. And since he would technically own the land, if he wants, he could just be like, all right, no more mill. I'm building a resort here or something. Yeah. Um, I don't know why, but when I watch them and they're like interacting and he's in the sheriff's arms, I don't get that he's actually there for her. I don't know. Oh, you think he's just trying, he's a squirrel trying to find his nut? Uh, I get that feeling. I also get the feeling that he doesn't have her best interest at heart. I think he does. 
it's if if you're dating a cop and you tell them this person wants me dead they want my property they're gonna sabotage me and he's just like head pat you'll be fine like all right you want to fuck now yeah exactly like and then the post nut clarity hits and he's out it's like oh shit you know what i actually don't like asian people so (laughs) i'm asian i can say it um so i don't know what exactly is going on but is this like the late night after after party yeah i i'm pretty sure it's just like uh, you know after the funeral people get together to because it's positively late. remember the the deceased it's late like remember dale was hunting the graveyard with dr jacoby dr mm-hmm. jacoby thinks he's van helsing <laughs> and then all of a sudden now they're they're like at the roundhouse again i guess jock showed up i don't know where they're at leland is standing there dancing on his own the robin song is playing he looks like he's on dmt something's wrong with him he's just standing there and dale and hawk have this weird heart-to-heart exchange do you believe in the soul and then hawk says several more than one i don't i didn't really get this like string of words but he says blackfoot legend walk uh waking souls that give life to the mind and body a dream soul that wanders. Dream souls? Where do they wander? Far away places, the land of the dead. Is that where Laura is? Laura's in the ground, Agent Cooper. That's the only thing I'm sure of. Damn. That's deep. When he first said this, I honestly thought he said Bigfoot legend. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it didn't make sense to me because I'm just typing frantically while the episode's playing Bigfoot legend. Waking souls that give life to the mind and body. A dream soul that wanders. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Bigfoot legend. And then I realized he was saying Blackfoot legend. And that's like a Native American tribe. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I figured out Hawk was Native American. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, So after they do this little kind of exchange with each other, Leland Palmer, I guess he gets frustrated and starts asking everyone to start dancing with him. Everyone kind of shuns him as if he's a leper or something. And Dale as and Hawk. Like he's a leper. Yeah, like everyone kind of. Oh, yeah, they, they look at him like he reaches his arm out and they're like. Ugh. Yeah, like he's weird. Get away. I mean, they're at his daughter's, daughter's funeral after yeah. party. Yeah. So Dale and, and Hawk go over and they take his ass home. And that's when the episode ends with the red stoplight. Now that's episode four. That's a powerful ending, I think. So now that we're wrapping things up, do we have a favorite quote for our quotable Cooper segment? You know, I I feel bad because almost every quote I think that I've put up has not been a Dale Cooper quote. (laughs) Well, mine is definitely a Dale Cooper quote this week. Do you... uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do one more skim through on the quotes real quick. But do you uh, do you want to start with yours? Sure. So mine was at the start of the episode, and it's when Dale is doing his order because I'm very fixated on the food in the show, and he goes, "Nothing beats the taste sensation when maple syrup collides with ham." Just mm-hmm. because I think the whole who says that? First of all, taste sensation, and then. <laughs> When maple syrup collides with ham. What's yours? So if I'm not going with a coop a coop quote, 
Uh, it, it definitely has to be Albert saying, I'm the Sultan of Sentiment. That's another good one. Like, it's I actually so wrote it good. out in the notes. It is so unbelievably good. Um, but is it believable when he says it? Or is he just being snarky? Oh, he's being snarky 100%. I hope we get to see Albert outside of the line of work and see what he actually is like. I don't think you do. I think this is the only side of Albert that we get. Is he a one and done character or does he come back? Oh no. No, he's 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 a mainstay character. So now that we're talking it, about characters, I was going to say the, is he a character standout for you? <laughs> I you know, for me, he's definitely up there. I can't tell if it should be Albert or Leland. Only because Leland legit goes like he is full on out of pocket, unhinged mm-hmm. in his episode. I think those are those are two very two very good picks. Uh could I, I feel like a for me an argument could be made that Bobby is a standout character because rather than you know, the only emotions that we see him display are I don't even know what you would call it up to this point. Empty full of rage but uh, unable to let it out and in this moment we get to see bobby finally kind of break a little bit so who did it i know it's not ben horn but ben horn and leo have to have a hand in this there's no way there's no way ben horn isn't free and clear of this or at the very least, he's at the heart of the shady shit in Twin Peaks, for sure. That kind of preempted and led yeah. to the death of Laura? For sure. Like, at this point, we know that Laura and Ronette both worked at his perfume counter. Mm-hmm. And we know the perfume counter is kind of like the pipeline to One-Eyed Jack. So at to some degree, he has to be the catalyst to Laura Palmer's death. No way. It has to be him. It, there, al- there also are two new shady residents of Twin Peaks that are that are introduced this episode um Jacques and Bernard any any um uh concerns thrown their way they're definitely a part of the machine for sure Mm -hmm. they have to be like they're drug runners like a lot of these shady people are intertwined like, I'm assuming they're the ones that bring the coke into Twin Peaks from Canada, and they dispense it to Leo, who was definitely... I mean, Laura had to be tied to him. If she was doing coke, $10,000 cash. Mm-hmm. But who knows? It, and I, I, A part of me, again, doesn't want to think it's so on the nose. But also, like, that's the only information we're presented with right now. Um, I know at one point you posited that maybe Drapes was... The drug kingpin of Twin Peaks, or or, or, or the killer, um, have has with with the mood swings that we've seen. She went She Hulk. Uh, has that affected your uh, views towards her guilt at all? I don't think it's drapes anymore. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's drapes. Um, I, I. I. It's hard to not believe that Ben Horn isn't the main person behind or at least pulling the strings he may not have killed laura himself but i think a lot of the blood is on his hands okay and i I like the direction you're going with this watch me be totally off (laughs) i i hope i am i hope i am just because i want to be surprised 
like when it finally gets revealed, I don't want to be like, I saw this coming. Like, I want to scream and send you angry text messages the moment I find out. (laughs) I can't, I can't fucking wait for that day. So what are we going to rate this episode? You know, every week we do one to 10 and we try to pick a random item. I don't even know what we're going to go with this week. What do you you think? I I, I was thinking about this uh, when I was sitting in the dentist chair, uh, trying not to black out today. Uh... You know, if we wanted to go on the nose, we could say traffic lights. Um, it could be one out of ten ounces of Coke. Uh, it could be, uh, but the one the one that I kept going towards is uh, what? How did you describe Doctor Jacoby's cape? Did you say it was an ivory cape? Is that no, turquoise? It's, it's lavender. Lavender. It's, it's like purpley. Okay. Or maybe an aubergine. Okay, so I, I <laughs> the I Wizard think, Hobbit. <laughs> I think I think it should be. Um, oh, that reminds me. I have a really interesting piece of information about the person. Say you have a very interesting cape. Ah, oh, dude, I wish I had a fucking cape. I have a sword. All I need is a cape. Um, <laughs> can I tell you this really piece of this really interesting piece of news I found out about the little person sure. in the show? Uh, so apparently, after the show aired and was then canceled um apparently he was very very critical about the show saying a bunch of you know like if an actor's critical about something that's fine but i guess he was like hurling insults and ad hominems about david lynch and uh, i was also reading that there were possibilities that he that that the the little person was very anti-semitic so that's why the little person is not brought back for the return i didn't know that yeah i found that out and i i thought it was interesting um anyway i'm surprised they didn't try to replace him they they do replace him with something and it's very funny okay Um, so um out of the one out of ten what if we go with tchotchkes tchotchkes that's a good one i'm down Mm. for for tchotchkes or lavender capes I, I, I think Lavender Cape is the best. Mm-hmm. All right. So what rating are you going to give this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 Lavender Capes? Oh, 10 out of 10 Lavender Capes. 10 out of 10? Yeah. I don't think you've dropped lower than 10 out of 10. No, no. And, and again, I will. I will. Just not yet. I, 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 The first few episodes of this are stellar television from a director that I very much admire. And I'm just glad that some producer who probably got fired from from the studio decided to greenlight this show for whatever the fuck reason they did. And yeah, I it it's so focused on on creating the world and the atmosphere of Twin Peaks. And this episode is kind of we're putting Laura in the ground and we're moving forward. And it's it's fantastic. You're gonna scream at me. I'm going to give this one an 8.5 okay. out of 10. Last it's down week, from I, 9. It's 5? hard for me because last week was such a high that we ended with. Mm-hmm. And the ending to this one, it, it was very somber, very serious. You know, we finally got to see Laura Palmer buried. And it's going to take a lot to match the energy of the previous episode for me. This was a good episode. 8.5 is still good in yeah. my opinion. But the Red Room, the introduction to that Red Room last week was just like chef's kiss. And then they just 
completely avoid it in this episode. And I kind of, I think that's smart. I mean, they, they don't want to give it to us all too fast. Yeah. Just the taste. Yeah. R- rather than, rather than short and fast, David Lynch has given us them, them long strokes. <laughs> <laughs> so b- before we say our goodbye, where can they find you? Most active on Twitter at spooky underscore underscore guy. And you've got stuff coming out on horrorpress.com. I'm surprised that a lot of our listeners don't know about horrorpress at all, which I find surprising. But yes, there's a website that actually puts out the show, horrorpress.com, all horror stuff. So Yeah, I was going to say, you won't find me talking about Twin Peaks there. You can find me on Instagram at horrorpressllc. Um, also, we have a Instagram that's up, and that's at HPTV Podcast. And um, yeah. Diane, it's that time again. We've reached the end of another episode of HPTV. I would have been happy to report that Laura's body was peacefully buried. It was not. Leland threw himself on the casket. James skulked in the background of the funeral. Bobby finally cried, and then he tried to beat up James. Or James tried to beat up him. Oh, and remind me, if I don't end up buying a house here, maybe I can talk Norma into giving me the recipe for that huckleberry pie. What is a huckleberry? Uh, we have some new leads in the search for Laura's killer. Leo's hiding something, and these Renault, these Renault brothers are up to no good. Albert got punched by Sheriff Truman, but you know Albert as well as I do, so that's no surprise. Oh yeah, and Sheriff Truman and Deputy Hawk have a side vigilante thing going on. More on that later. Good night, Diane. I'll report back in the morning. All right, well, see you next week for the next episode of HPTV, and make sure you have episode 5 watched because we'll be talking about episode five. Bye. Bye.